Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. This whole month, we're taking a direct route to better communicating, and I think I'll start with a joke. And as you're going to learn this month, one of the places where you have to start with good communication is good listening. And I had to read this joke four or five times to my partner before he got all the different parts of it. So listen up. (laughs) You'll probably hate it. So a judge was interviewing a woman regarding her pending divorce. And he asked, what are the grounds for your divorce? She replied, well, about four acres and a nice little home in the middle of the property, and there's a stream running by. And the judge says, no, 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 no. I mean, what's the foundation of the case? Oh, it's made of concrete, brick, and mortar, she said. No, she said, I mean, what are your relations like? Well, I have an aunt and an uncle living here in town, and my husband's parents are here in town. The judge starts getting exasperated. Well, is there a grudge? Do you have a grudge? No, she she replied, we have a two-car port, and have never, we've never really needed a garage. Please, please, he tried again. Is there infidelity? Is that what's going on? Well, yes. Now that you mention it, my son and daughter both have stereo sets. We, we don't necessarily like the music, but there's definitely some infidelity. Well, ma'am, finally, he starts grasping his straws. Ma'am, does your husband ever beat you up? Why, yes, she says. Two or three times a week he'll be up before I am. (laughs) Finally, the judge asks, lady, why do you want a divorce? Oh, I don't want a divorce, she says. I've never wanted a divorce. My husband does. He says we just can't seem to communicate. (laughs) thus thus but thus but for the act of God go we as the way I I look at that one so this month we're going to be uh, focusing in on Thich Nhat Hanh's book The Art of Communicating and as you can imagine with so many things in life He suggests that with good communication, we have to start with good communication with our own selves. And I'm going to start with a a brief quote. Uh, This is how the book itself starts. He says, "Nothing nothing can survive without food. Everything we consume acts as either to heal us or to poison us. We need to think of nourishment only, not only as that which we take in through our mouths, but also what we consume with our eyes, our ears, our noses, our tongues, even our bodies take in nourishment. The conversations going on around us and those we participate in are food also. Are we consuming and creating the kind of food that is healthy for us and helps us grow? When we say something that nourishes us and uplifts the people around us, we are feeding them love and compassion. When we speak and act in a way that causes tension and anger, we are nourishing the world with violence and suffering. And I want to extend this metaphor a little bit, this idea of us nourishing the planet uh, one way or another, for for good or bad, um, with our speaking. And, and so let's talk about nourishment in a broader sense. 
I still remember at about the age of five or six, it was really clear to me. My family had a, a Sunday afternoon pastime. We would always go to one grandparent's house or the other grandparent's house, and we'd visit and have dinner. And I still remember at the age of about five or six, my mother pulling me aside and says, Larry, you really shouldn't say anything particular about Grandma Gardner's cooking. She does the best that she knows how. Now, keep in mind, my, my grandmother, Gardner, was, uh, her, her mother w- w- was English and very poor, and their idea of a, a fine Sunday meal was you put a chicken in the pot around noon, and you simmer it until about 6 o'clock. And maybe half an hour before dinner, you put some Bisquick on the top, and then you have chicken and dumplings. Well, as a child, that was loathsome, I gotta tell you. And I remember fussing so to go to their house. And, I, and you know what I think? It isn't that we couldn't be better at communicating. It, it isn't that we, that we couldn't be better at, at our cooking or better at anything, but I think we just do what we were kind of brought up or, or taught to do. And I think it's very true with our conversations as well, with our, with our speech and with what we even tell ourselves internally. It isn't that we couldn't find a way of being more loving in our speech or more compassionate or more on target or more truthful or or any of those things. It's kind of like we're just used to making mac and cheese. And so in the you know, in, in the face of anything else different, we're, we're going to do, we're going to make, we're going to create through our, our speech and our actions and our deeds what we're used to doing, what we've used to been doing. And I got to tell you, sometimes that's a recipe that produces something great. I mean, I do remember going to the other grandma's house and it was smooth sailing and we so enjoyed those meals. But what I want to suggest is sometimes through our speech, it's practically like we're handing out a plate of poison. When we speak poorly, when we um, you know, degrade ourselves and others, and it doesn't have to even be when we're in an argument. Have you ever known someone that's just, it's kind of a constant stream of little negativity. It's like tiny little poison pills just being passed out all the time. You know, the, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, Congress can't make any decisions. The supermarket prices are too big. The, the kids are having trouble at school. It's like, after a while, it's like, gosh, I don't want to eat this. Yes. Right? I still remember at our house that you could tell mom had had a bad day when we had mac and cheese. And, and it, it was because that, well, that was all she had the time and the wherewithal and the patience, right? It's like you dump it out of the box into the pan, add a little water, add a little butter, and I think you're done. I think that's the craft recipe for success, right? It's like, and I would remember she would serve it up, and, and I mean, it was filling and all. And I, even as a child, I remember used to thinking, so is that it? <laughs> and in our conversations too, I want to suggest, is that it? Are we on a plateau of how we treat others and ourselves that could be improved upon? Thich Nhat Hanh says, the place that we start, believe it or not, is with ourselves. Before we can begin becoming a better communicator with others, there's that little internal dialogue. That's that internal way of treating. And he says that's where we need to start. And he says with any good communication, where you start is by listening. How many of us take time during the day to actually listen 
to our own needs and desires and wants. And he has a very simple recipe for it. In fact, let's, let's do it together. Just close your eyes for a second and just do a quick body scan. Start at the, at the top of your head and begin just following your body from top to bottom. Are there any little aches and pains? Are there any little sensations going on? When you get down around to your throat, do you feel any constrictions of anything that maybe needed to be said that was never said? When you move further down, maybe to your heart area, do you feel open there or do you feel tight there? Is there a message maybe that your open heart would like to give you that maybe you haven't listened to in a while? And as you move further down into your your chest and, and your stomach, these are places sometimes where our body holds on to anger and distress. Is there any kind of a message for you there? Is there anything going on in your body that might tell you that it needs help or attention? As we move further down and discover maybe some of the aches and pains, whether they be mild or not so mild in our, in our knees or our ankles or our feet, is there perhaps a greater message that even our body is telling us that we're not listening to? Is there something that needs to be done in order for us to move forward in grace, in dignity, in love? Is there something that needs to be done or said that would open our heart further? Thich Nhat Hanh recognizes and and, uh, suggests that we maybe do this kind of a body scan several times during the day. We can check in in the morning as we're getting ready to go out. Is there something my body is telling me that it wants or needs or needs to be changed? And maybe a check-in midway through the day just to see how we're feeling because it's not only our physical body, it's also our emotional body. Is there something that's really bugging me from an emotional standpoint that needs to be acted upon. And then finally, at the end of the day, uh, a check-in with our body and our emotional self around how the day went and how we're feeling. And is there anything that you want to change or do differently for tomorrow? You can set yourselves up then uh, for doing something a little differently tomorrow. All right, go ahead and open your eyes. That's the listening part of being with ourselves. Our bodies, our emotional self, our, our, our thinking self, all of these have messages for us, and we're kind of not used to it. We're kind of used to just blowing through our day, kind of hell-bent on tasks, on doing things, on being in the world, and very seldom do we actually take the time to reflect upon what's going on in our own heart, in our own mind. And if we truly want to show compassion for the world, if we want to be a good communicator with other people, the place we start is right here. If we don't have time to listen to our own self, can we actually listen to what's going on for someone else? The second place Thich Nhat Hanh says we need to focus our attention on is our self-talk. Before we begin getting better at speaking uh, lovingly and, and productively with other people, he says, what's going on in your own head? What do you tell yourself? What kind of self-talk is going on in your own head? And I, I'll use a personal example. Many of you know that uh, uh, actually this, I figured it out. This year I celebrate 20 years clean and sober this summer. And I remember, well, okay, thanks. Um, 
I remember when I first got sober, when I, you know, after 20 years of hard drinking and a lot of chaos in my life, I, I put that aside, and one of the first things that I noticed was I was ready to take on the world. I, I felt elated in a way because my, my head had cleared and I was ready to take on things, but oh, was I harsh on myself. I mean, I had stopped drinking, but a lot of the thought patterns, a lot of the selfish behaviors and other things that went with my drinking, well, they were still there. Just because I didn't pick up that glass didn't mean I wasn't still who I was. And so I would catch myself. And if I had been maybe slightly unkind to someone, I would make a pronouncement. I would say, Larry, you're an idiot. Why did you do that? You know better than that. You're not that scummy alcoholic. And I was really, I used naughty words too, frankly. I won't share them with you here today on Sunday. Uh, but I would just make terrible pronouncements. You so-and-so, how dare you do that? And I was probably way harder on myself than anyone in my life. I had a pronouncement about myself. You know, you're not lovable. You're not capable. Look at all the, I would see some of the human things that I had done that were less than perfect, less than useful, and I would go right for the judgment. I would go right in and say, and that means you're not worthwhile. That means you're not lovable. That means you're not very smart. Why would you do, why would you do that again? You know better than that. My God, can't you learn anything? When we do this, we are actually reinforcing the opposite of what we want to have happen. When I claim for myself that I'm stupid or that I'm unlovable or not capable, it's as though I'm making a pronouncement. It's kind of like I'm ringing a metaphysical bell. And as we know in the science of mind, when I claim a thing, I get to see more of it. When I, when I picture myself as that unlovable thing, well, who would want to be around me, right? It's like, look at this sad guy. When I, when I claim for myself that I'm incapable of doing things, suddenly I begin seeing the dithering in my own life and the unproductivity. It's like a self-fulfilling kind of proposition. So let us not go there. One of the places that we have to start is cleaning up our self-talk. And that really is a kind of four simple and yet not so simple steps. The first one is just recognizing that you're doing it. And that's probably maybe the hardest one because otherwise you're just building the same recipe that you usually do. It's like making mac and cheese over and over again until one day you go, wait a minute, I'm tired of this. I want something different in my life. And so you begin to recognize, wow, am I really stupid? No, actually, you know, I did this thing that was stupid but that doesn't make me stupid. I wonder why I was thinking that. I'm actually pretty smart. I'm actually pretty capable and successful. Maybe, maybe that's the message I should give myself. Or if you do something maybe that you realize afterwards is unkind, instead of going to the place of, well, you idiot, why, you know, why are you so mean? Why are you so unthoughtful? Instead, you go, oh my gosh, that could have been better right? I mean, we take ownership for what we've done or what we've said. Well, that could have been better. But where I like to go now is to say, how unusual. That's not like me. 
I will claim the opposite. I'm a loving and caring human being, despite that statement that I made over the phone, right? I'll make amends if I need to. I'll move on if I need to. But instead of claiming what I don't want to have happen through miserable self-talk, I will learn to refute and replace, those are the next two steps, the negative self-talk. So the refuting of it is just to recognize it's not true. Just because I did a stupid thing doesn't mean I'm stupid. Just because I inadvertently, or sometimes vertently, did, <laughs> did an unkind thing doesn't mean I'm an unkind person, right? It's something that happened. And so, first of all, we refute the negative self-talk. The second thing, and here sometimes we don't always have time. In the moment of a busy day, I think we can do the recognizing the bad self-talk and and even denying it. We can't always replace it. That's the third step. But when you have time, when you have the presence of mind, even replace it. And that's where I would go to and say, no, I'm actually a loving person. Actually, I'm really clever at doing this. The other day, I noticed I was beating myself up a little bit about putting my um, financial materials in order in order to go have my taxes done. And I was saying, Larry, you're just not all that good with numbers. And I went, wait a minute. I'm actually really good with numbers. Why would I say that? It's just because I'm a little bit frustrated right now. And so I actually replaced the thought and I reminded myself of the, the monthly household budget that I do a great job on and the many other areas where I'm actually really good with numbers. So not only refuting it, but then replacing it with something more positive, some other truthful thing that you can remind yourself, no, that's not me, who I am absolutely is born in that place of love and light and intelligence. You know, here's where we really bring it back to something on a Sunday, right? We are all created out of God's stuff. No matter how you want to look at it, God is at work in the creation and the living of our lives. And so in that sense, in that divine sense, There's perfection going on here. There's beauty going on here. There's love going on here. And when we degrade that, when we say, Larry, you're stupid, I'm saying, God, you made a mistake. Doesn't that just sound crazy? I don't think God makes mistakes. I think all of us are here for a purpose. I think that everything that was created under the sun has its time and and, and its place. And certainly in our humanness, we can make mistakes, But that doesn't make us less. It just means something we did or something we said. Brings me to the next subject that I want to talk about. I I mentioned uh, early sobriety for me. The other thing that happened in early sobriety was I thought I had to be perfect. I thought because I was making this commitment to never having a drink again, and because I was actually being fairly successful in that, that I could just turn the rest of my life around just as easy. I'll never say an unkind thing. I'll never behave poorly, well, at least not in public. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh, I was hard on myself. I was expecting, I know, it's true. (laughs) It's absolutely true. I was expecting me, because I had had some success in that spiritual awakening I had, I was expecting that my humanness just went away. 
And I'm here to tell you, all of us get to experience humanity on our way of spiritual evolution. And so, so really it isn't so much that we are perfect as it is we're on a path of progression, that there's progress being made here, that with each day we're becoming more uniquely wonderful in our, in our own image of, of how we can be the best possible individualized us we can be. And as long as we recognize that we're taking steps in that direction, it's okay if we get derailed now and then. It's okay if we say a few harsh words. We don't have to be perfect at it. We can recognize it and acknowledge it and move on because we're a work in progress. Don't have to be perfect. We just have to be interested in our progression, in moving forward and being the best authentic us that we can be. So we've covered self-listening and we've covered self-talk. The other thing that Thich Nhat Hanh says, and this is a very Eastern thing, we don't typically talk about this in Western society, and that's the idea of self-compassion. Are you actually compassionate with yourself. Now, I know you are with friends and family members, right? People will come to you all the time and say, you know, this horrible thing happened, and you'll say, oh, sweetie, let's talk about it. You know, you know, come, I mean, I'm feeling such compassion for you. But do we do that for ourselves? See, I think in Western society, we're more used to looking outward. We're more used to looking to family and friends to fulfill our emotional needs, right? So if something you know, weird or, or unpleasant happens to us, we tend to get on the phone and we'll say, you know, listen to what happened. My boss did this and then that happened and then, you know, and all this and, and what we're really doing. We don't want them to fix something, right? What we want is a compassionate listener. Well, what Thich Nhat Hanh is saying is, yeah, that's nice, but you can't count on that. And I, I remember earlier uh, this year, something really sad happened in my life. One of our two puppies passed away. And, and I, I got to tell you, I was tearful for several weeks over that. You know, this, the, the thought of that, you know, of four months, such a young life, and we'd had so much fun with her. And, 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 and when she passed away, I felt, and I remember calling a friend, I mean a good friend, and, and, and I explained what happened, and you know, there, I'm sure there was like a catch in my throat, and she said, oh my God, that's so horrible. And did you hear that the Blazers are going to be in town next week? <laughs> and, and it wasn't that she wasn't compassionate, right? But I was expecting her, her level of energy around this issue to meet mine, right? And I actually... You know me, I'm kind of patient and I'm also kind of like, I'm going to get what I need to get. And so, I, I mean, I went a little further with it. But what I really realized is compassion for my own self is probably more consistent and more dependable than relying on someone else to mirror back to me what I want to feel. And it isn't that I won't still reach out to friends when I'm in need. I absolutely will, and that's a, a beautiful thing. But again, Thich Nhat Hanh is saying, compassion for the self first. If you think about it, who knows you better than anyone else? 
who knows both the depth of suffering that you might feel as well as the elation of your life when things are going so well and you're, you're feeling so joyous. Who, who would know the right words to say to you, uh, just, just rest, just, just take some time out? Who, who more than you would know the right words and the right time and the right way of being in the world to actually provide true comfort? When we look outside of ourselves, we may get it, and we may not. We may feel as though someone else really listens and really understands, and I gotta tell you, fairly often, maybe not so much, not certainly to the depth that you would know your own grieving and your own hurt, and what might be done, if anything, to acknowledge it and sit with it and be with it. Well, I'm going to leave you today with a couple pieces of homework. One of them I think will be obvious to you, one not so obvious. The obvious piece is I would like us, if we're willing, to be committed to listening to our self-talk for this month. Now, to do that, I don't know if you want to put a, a string on your finger so that every time you, you know, notice you've got the string on your finger, oh, what have I been saying about myself? You know, if you want to try installing the mental filter so that as each little, you know, pronouncement leaves your mouth, you're going, oh, what did I just say? <laughs> Whoa, that was interesting. You know, there are various techniques for doing it, but I think you will be amazed and surprised, even people who have been in Science of Mind for some time and know know how thoughts become things, still in our own heads and for our own selves, we often have a lot of negative self-talk. So if you're willing, that's a homework assignment. Uh, number one is to really take a look at your self-talk. Is it what you want it to be? Is it affirming how you want to show up in the world? The second one, however, is a little less Western and a little more Eastern. Your assignment for this week is, how can you show compassion for yourself? How can you begin to change your outward, the, the need for outward acknowledgement of how your life is going and begin shifting that to more an inward acknowledgement that yes, I am where I need to be, I'm doing what I need to be, I can take care of some of my emotional needs myself, I'm in a great position to know who I am, what I need, how to treat myself well. Now on the surface, this might be as simple as listening to yourself and knowing that you need to take a mental health day off from work. It might be compassion for yourself in, in the simplest way of recognizing that, you know, maybe I need to be able to get more sleep for myself or, or to recognize better nutrition for myself. Listening, listening to the, the body and the mind and the heart around what needs to happen. It also might, though, however, be something that normally you would look to someone else, you know, having someone else fill you up with love instead of loving yourself. Having someone else acknowledge you're going through a rough time, rather than really holding your own self, your own heart, and your own mind in, that, in, in, in a kind of a cradle internally and saying, oh my gosh, you are suffering right now. But know that it will be something different in the future. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. You are loved.
We can do this for ourselves. Of course, we're going to learn in the rest of this month how to have good communication, how to be compassionate, how to be loving with other people. Thich Nhat Hanh says it has to start with ourselves. That anything else than that is like secondhand smoke. And when he talks about secondhand smoke, he says there's this belief that people can treat themselves badly, but as long as they're treating other people well, that somehow that's okay. And he says treating yourself badly is like smoking. Even if other people aren't treating themselves badly, they will see you doing it. They will see you not taking care of yourself. They will see you and some of your own judgments and pronouncements about yourself, and they will conclude that that's the way it is. Not just for you, but for them, especially if you're a parent. If a, if a child sees that mom or dad are beating themselves up or thinking that they're, they're less than they need to be or, 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 or not as loving as they could be, the child sees that as, well, that's the way the world is. I make judgments about myself then. I treat myself the way I see my parents treating themselves. So, so just be aware. I, I, know, I know sometimes this could be the church where we look inward, and I'm tired of that. <laughs> and next week we'll start talking about communications on the outside, I promise. So we'll get our fill of that as well. But this week I would like you to look inwardly and see what kind of recipe you're serving up for yourself. Is it a healthy, nutritious meal with loving words and thoughts about yourself and your life? Or are you just making mac and cheese right out of the box and not even thinking about it? I'm going to close with a final quote from, uh, from Thich Nhat Hans, The Art of Communicating and a Prayer. Coming home to ourselves to understand our suffering and its roots are the first step. Once we understand how we, uh, uh, once we understand our own suffering and how it came about, then we're in a position to communicate with others in such a way that they may suffer less. Our relationships depend on the capacity of each of us to understand our own difficulties first. When you can truly come home to yourself, truly listen to yourself, you can profit from every moment given you to live fully. You can enjoy life. With good internal communication, you can begin to understand yourself and therefore understand happiness. Knowing how to handle your issues, you know at the same time how to produce happiness. And if you are truly happy, the world profits. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. There is this one thing, I call it God, but no matter what name by which it goes, no matter how you think of it, it truly is every person, every place, everything, every situation. And because God created all of this, it means me. And I know in my own heart that God had created me in that image of love, of peace, of joy, of harmony, of, of sweetness, of capability, of complexity, of all of those God qualities. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each of us created out of God's stuff and in that image of light and perfection, of joy and love.
And so for this week and beyond, I know that perhaps each of us takes a a little better peek at what's going on in our own head in terms of the messages and stories that we tell ourselves. That each of us maybe has a a willingness to begin editing some of that self-talk so that it's really reflective of how we would treat another person. I know that perhaps there's even that willingness to go within and begin showing true love and compassion where it needs to start, which is in our own hearts and in our own minds. And I'm just grateful for this. I'm grateful for um, just being here in the presence of such light and such love. Grateful um, for this place that we have, this sanctuary that we have in Sundays. And also grateful in knowing that we take this message out into our own lives, into the world. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer. I release it into the activity and action of the law itself. I just let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.